your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by James Boyman and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to ATP. James and Ryan here, as always, following Everton winning their first three home games of a season for the first time since 1989 as they defeated Norwich City 2-0 at Goodison Park. It was uh, the first time Everton have won four consecutive Premier League games at Goodison Park since September 2019 under Marco Silva. And unfortunately for Norwich, they've lost each of their first six Premier League games the worst ever start at this stage of a season in the competition's history with a goal differential of minus 14. Doesn't sound good. That's... <laughs> it does not sound good at all for the Canaries. Ryan Williams, analyst. Yes. There you go. Uh, we also had some people with the correct score predictions, which I appreciated. But before we get to that instant reactions, Hummus. Look, I think uh, we have some comments at the back end, but a game against the worst team in the league currently typically has been a potential stumbling block for Everton. The fact that we were able to win and in the end, pretty comfortably win, uh, keeping Norwich at arm's length for large stretches of the match, not really conceding much. Pickford really didn't have a whole lot to do. That said, it is a little bit concerning how uh, inefficient we looked going forward at times. I thought we might've been a little bit more clinical, but with the slew of injuries, especially in attack, it's hard to be too frustrated with a 2 no win. It was fine. Yeah. I, you know, I, it, it wasn't that. We'll get into the tactics. I think there were some reasons why it was maybe not as um, rapid or as, as exciting almost as as way it could have been. Um, but without further ado, let's get into score predictions. We had a bunch of them this time, which is much better than what we had last week, which was nil. I don't think we had a single one last week. Yeah, we have really fluctuated a lot this year. <laughs> yeah. um, and the Discord's been pretty accurate, pretty active too. Wow, EFC Jones, he actually got it too. He did, yeah. So we had HYE soccer guy, Holderness S. Juder or Jute, if you want to put a little French spin on it, Sludvig, wow. and then EFC Jonesy who initially predicted, I think, a loss, but then he was at Goodison Park, changed his prediction five or six minutes before kickoff, predicted the 2-0 <laughs> no win. He said he was feeling the vibes in the stadium. You man. I guess they were accurate on the day. Yeah, they didn't last very long. It seemed like the crowd was pretty hyped, and it was kind of like, yeah, you really started flat. Um, we obviously are missing a lot of people, too, so I, I think this may have been a contributor towards the maybe the lack of finishing. I mean, it seemed like we were okay getting the ball to a certain point, but really had some trouble breaking through once we got into the penalty area and the final third. And when you're missing, you know, as many players as we are, that's not surprising. I don't think. No. Right. I mean, look, the, the lineup came out and I think the, the good news off the top was that Jordan Pickford makes a semi surprising return from his shoulder injury to make his 150th uh, Premier league appearance for Everton. We had Godfrey slotting in at right back, Solomon Rondon, Lewis Dobbin making the bench, which was interesting. And uh, yeah, decent first 11. The bench was a little alarming, but besides Begovic, all English players on the bench. Thought that was an interesting little call out. Uh, and then missing, we had Seamus Coleman, of course, Richarlison, Fabian Delft, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, 
Jean-Philippe Gabaman and Andre Gomez. So a lot of missing firepower for Rafa to select. We've talked a bit about when Godfrey or Holgate comes in to sub for even Seamus, the drop off in terms of attacking prowess. So that's that's probably a bit of a contributor as well, in addition to having your two top strikers out. Um, Norwich had some changes as well. They've been playing 5-3-2. Um, I think Rashika started against Liverpool last match. So um, he went to the bench. Cantwell was out. Gilmore also to the bench, which I was kind of happy about because he, as you mentioned off the air, torched us so badly in that Chelsea match last year that I think you all were in attendance or no. It was, yeah, a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago, two years ago, right, right before COVID kind of wiped everything. Um, Zimmerman's out as well, too. I kind of forget about him sometimes. And look, you look at the lineup and there's a lot of young talent there, but it is really young. I mean, Kabak 21. People forget about that. Aaron Sargent, all 21 years old. Azolas is 19 and I love him. He is a wonderful talent. That was a huge coup for them to get him. Ida's 20. We don't see him too much, but he's a good talent. It's still a work in progress, I think. This is the type of side you look at. And it's amazing how many guys they're starting who they just brought in this past year. Yeah. And even though Everton are have proven that we can lose at home to the championship winner, I feel like we've done it like several seasons in a row here. Um, this is a little different team. It, it didn't look like they bought handful of guys maybe ben gibson which i don't think he's a good example but of guys that are ready to go right now that can jump up and uh contribute and it looked that way uh that being said too i i was i was feeling pretty good going into this matchup because i think the way norch plays would play well into us they're not afraid to pressure they're not afraid to play faster and sometimes that can kind of play into our counter but i will say this the first half did not play out that way at all um it was very strange um yep yeah, I mean, they, they uh, we conceded a lot or they conceded a lot more possession than I really thought they would. Um, they didn't give up a ton of shots. I, I think defensively they were fairly sound and fairly organized. And most of their possession was playing around with the ball ball in the back. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, and I think Everton set up similar to kind of how we have recently, too, as well. Yeah, we set up with Rondon leading the line. Gray given kind of that free role in the 10 second striker position, looking to definitely push uh, more vertically. If you look at that, the was average. good. Yeah, that was, I thought I that, mean, was I thought smart. that was important. I, I thought he seemed more dangerous going past Rondon. So when we were kind of breaking out Rondon, a lot of people don't quite realize that Rafa Benitez is not using a target striker sometimes in a very traditional way. That's target striker is not going to be on the very end of her balls into the goal as much as they'll come back to the play hold the ball up and help spring that counter and so if you've got a guy like Rondon who's you know a little not the fastest right now and certainly isn't fit you know he may not get all the way into the goal to kind of be on the receiving end so if he's pulling back that way you have to extend vertically the defense somehow and I feel like we've lacked that recently I thought he showed a little more initiative doing it today not always I mean there's still sometimes I felt like we lacked vertically but I, I think that is so important for us tactically to have someone going vertically beyond Rondon if he's coming back and kind of holding that ball you know what I mean and I, I think yep. it, he did it some today yeah he did and then you look at the left side you had Awobi and Dean who were able to get actually Awobi ended up not getting forward all that much but they were both kind of getting up and down yeah. Played a lot through the left-hand side, which is actually different than what we've seen in a lot of matches so far this season. 
Um, and I think there was still a little bit of exploitable space between the back line and that midfield partnership of Alana and Decore. But I think by and large, they did a good job of, of covering that space and at least recovering and closing it down when necessary. I mean, the, the shape team shape for us was very traditional in general. looks like we maintained pretty good width. And like you said, the, the gray Rondon sort of overlapping, allowing for the guy who's more prone to be able to get in behind defenses, especially Rondon still getting up to fitness without question, but not the fastest guy on his day. Not. And on top of all that, he's played now three matches in a row. So he's got uh, some tired legs. You would have to think Um, for us, 48% of the attack came down the left-hand side versus only 31% down the right. Norwich only almost exactly flipped 45% going down the left, AKA our right. So looking to exploit Townsend and Godfrey whereas only 33% of their attack came down their right-hand side. And then you look at the the shot selection or the shot locations and pretty favorable for us. Again, Jordan Pickford really only had to make two saves and both were shots from outside of the box. We'll get into it, but Everton managed 64% of our shots inside the 18 and got 10% inside the six. So not a lot of really great shots or a lot of offense from either side, but you'd have to say Everton certainly created the better chances. Or it seems to have, you know, Pookie is a really good center forward in the championship. Yeah. But you, can't, but you know what I mean? You kind of get a feeling like uh, in, in America, North America, we talk baseball. There's something we call the, uh, the quad a player or the, you know, the four a baseball player. And that's the player that they go down and play triple a, the highest level, the minors, and they kill it. But when they step up to the majors, it's enough of a leap. They just struggle. And he's, he's kind of, I kind of feel that's him. Um, Yeah. They they did have some success attacking down the left side a little bit in the second half. So we'll kind of get through the timeline and talk about some of the tactical changes, but um, the setup was like you said, mostly attacking via, Dean and a Wobi. We were defending in a 4-4-2. Um, there were times where we saw early Alon got a bit aggressive and then saw Keen step up into that space. I, I saw it a couple times early. That I thought was encouraging because it can't just be Alon and Decore sitting back the whole time. You know, it has to also be the center halves pushing forward. Um, you saw Benitez trying to play compact again to make up for being outnumbered again in the midfield because of the three midfielders that Norch are deploying. There were times where you saw Alex Awobi literally all the way over into the right half space. Yep. And that's one way you countered. If you're going to defend in a 4-4-2, the advantage is you can have two compact lines of defense where there's not much space in between them and they're tough to play through. Um, the issue is, though, if you're too spread out horizontally, you can play through the lines. And most importantly, you would be outnumbered in midfield. So if you kind of smush that a little bit and condense it horizontally, you're going to have more success there. Uh, and you did see Norwich attempt to try and switch the ball a little bit the way QPR did very successfully. Uh, but, you know, they, they just didn't. You know, it's a little harder to do that, I think, with wingbacks um, if they're pushed yep. up high enough. Now, one thing I did notice, too, is uh, I think the attack left was very very intentional. Uh, I actually saw evidence of passing sequences and some intent. I thought that was a very good thing. Uh, I saw a lot, a lot of times, a few times where the ball kind of swung over to Godfrey. He swung it back to Mina to Keen, and a lunge dropped almost into the left back position, yep. pushed Dean out wide. And then a Wobie kind of sat in the half space 
And it was effective. You know, I mean, we played a lot through Luca Dean and his passing, I thought was good enough from, from that angle to turn around and attack fairly quickly. But let's be honest, the first half was odd. It was weird for us to kind of have as much possession as we did uh, when we haven't really shown that much this year and been so focused on the counter. And I think at times we were a little sluggish and we did have, we had the ball a lot. We looked, we got them on some dangerous areas, but I never really felt like we were easily going to break through and get some grand opportunity. I don't know how you felt, but that just, you know what I mean? It just wasn't quite fluid. And, and I could tell the guys weren't, it looked a little bit like the slow possession based in our bad moments under Ancelotti. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment, Ryan. I think especially as the game opened up, I mean, you mentioned the raucous atmosphere as there always is a good ascent around kickoff, but the first 10, 12, even 15 minutes did a lot to kind of suck the life out of the crowd. Very ponderous in possession. We had a lot of it, but there wasn't really a whole lot of purpose behind it. A lot of passing it around the back, as we would see also from Norwich throughout the match. And really, it's almost 20 minutes gone by before there's either team has a legitimate chance. And it comes from Alex Iwobi receiving it wide on the wing. Uh, and he plays a ball on the ground into the box. Gray does a little, you know, not between the legs dummy, but he acts like he's going to receive it and lets it run where it goes to Rondon. He lays it off to Townsend, who's in a really good position to shoot. And he just kind of smashes it on the ground, basically directly at Tim Krul. But that was the first time we were really able to break down their defense and get a meaningful opportunity to score. A little bit foreshadowing because Gray and Iwobi did have some nice turns, especially when they were kind of teaming up with Dean. That was certainly uh, our most dangerous combinations were them. They are Gray and Iwobi clearly in the final third are our most dangerous players. I mean, at least that are out there right now. They can both dribble. They can both create a bit. You know, uh, Gray is maybe a little quicker, but Alex is just as tricky with the, with the ball. And they had some good moments together. Um, it, although that being said, we get into the 25th minute and we finally strike blood here. But I, this was kind of an innocuous play. It, yeah, I don't really know what to say. I, I, I couldn't look back and say, yeah, we were really coming on. We really deserved it. Um, but I will say that this was a huge game changer. I mean, goals change games anytime they occur, but I, I just felt like this was one almost a gift yep. and I, it just really made things difficult for Norwich. And it was a very rash play by Kabak for sure. Yeah, it was. And it starts with uh, Luga Dean and Awobi both kind of out in the left half space, left wing area. Um, Awobi plays it into gray. And when I watched it the first time live, I actually thought that gray makes the pass back to Allen, but, the Norwich defender trying to clear it and kind of comes through and basically gets a piece, but hits it right to Allen who wins the ball as he's going into the box, gets clipped a uh, high shin, low knee by Kabak as he goes through the referee elects not to give it live, but VAR justly and fairly upon review turns out that Coots wanted to turn, decides to award it, and we give the penalty to Andrews Townsend. And you're, you're right. It was basically a gift. It was maybe a little bit of a soft foul, but because of the way Elon wins the ball and then is basically going through and gets taken out, he, he's forced to award it. And we're up 1-0. Townsend, in the absence of Richarlison and Dominic Calvert-Lewin, apparently is the guy. Not much debate this time around as to who should take it. And he slots at home. And we're up 1-0. And like you said, it wasn't necessarily against the run of play, but it also wasn't like we were banging the door down looking to score. 
And by the way, Alon had two touches in the attacking third in this match. <laughs> Those are the first two touches he's had in the attacking third all year. Last year, total number of touches in the attacking third the entire year, three. So it's unbelievable. Uh, but Alan has that in his bag. He's tricky. And I don't know if he's going to get to the ball or not, but we're not testing for the last man in a red card. We're just looking for right. a foul in the box. And he kept, it. I mean, he definitely got the studs in on him and he did it. Uh, Townsend knocks it in and it's one nil us. And this gave us a little bit of life, I thought, because suddenly I felt like there was a little bit of fluidity and it, and it was a little sporadic, of course, and maybe it was a byproduct of Norwich having to come out and play a little more aggressively. Yeah. But um, we had in the 31st Gray with a lovely through ball from a Wobi off the break. Gray probably could have gone down in the box on this one, but that was another time. I, I felt like we had the ball a couple times in the box where we just didn't really produce anything of it. Um Awobi with another little flip in the 39th into space for Decore. That was a great build-up sequence. That looked a little bit more like what we had grown to expect so far this year. And really, Norwich didn't threaten until about the 44th minute um, where, you know, they finally had some touches. Awobi clears it. Norman gets a hold of it. And I, he was relatively dangerous, I thought, for Norwich, even if they miss Gilmore. He cracks this one from distance. I'm not going to say it was the most difficult save in the world, but it was a good shot and it was knocked out for a corner. And, and I don't know about you, but I feel like our set piece defense and attack is just shaky right now. And maybe it's not the priority, but I really think Benitez may want to take a step back and, and work on some things. He switched corner takers, for example, several times. um, And I don't think any of them are really producing anything worth noting i don't like it when he he had gray take i feel like one or two last match from the left side which i like the in swinger but otherwise i almost feel like go back to dean uh he's proven it over time and time and and but something clearly i think is more tactically amiss because it's not like townsend can't serve a ball yeah it feels like we're sort of back to to pre-ancelotti days and we had he was i think instrumental don't say no 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 in the sense that we look very shaky defending set pieces while also looking pretty unthreatening in a lot of cases when we have set pieces rondon Um, helps i will say he does defending set pieces he's remarkably good at it even if he's a little rusty in some other areas but yeah for our personnel that we have in there we really shouldn't be giving up too much defending on corners Although it's probably worth saying that, look, it, it happens. You know, you give up a lot of corners, you're eventually going to score on one. It's not this yeah. zonal marking or whatever kind of old school mentality around it. I, it does look like execution can certainly be better, but the best way to prevent goals from corners is to not give up a lot of corners. Absolutely. And that that Pickford save and subsequent corner in the 44th essentially gets us to halftime. Yeah. And you look at the breakdown and it, it's fairly even on paper. You're looking 4-3 in shots in favor of Everton, 52-48 possession. It's crazy that we're talking about, wow, it felt like we had so much of the ball and we barely had more than half. Um, out-tackled Norwich 10-6, to which was, I guess, good to see, pressuring um, and, and winning the ball back. And then we were out-dribbled 2-5 to in the first half. So, as you said, nothing inspirational, nothing – incredibly noteworthy either but we have the lead and i think that's the headline and we get into the second half and there's a dramatic shift coming out of the locker rooms for the second 45 it was very 
tactically different. I, I don't, I watched it again, especially that kind of right or half all the way into about the 70th when we finally started settling back in. It wasn't as one-sided as I thought. I know I felt the whole time that we just weren't playing very well. I never thought they were in incredibly dangerous situations. They definitely had some moments. We actually had a couple chances in here a few times that that maybe I've forgotten, but um, it seemed like Everton was sitting back a little bit more. We weren't pressuring quite as much and not as yep. high for sure, but it also seemed very obvious that Norwich had started out with an obvious attempt to try and play in between our lines. I mean, he, you know, Fark has obviously seen tape. He's seen that Alon and Decor will vacate that space at times. And it looked like Sergeant and Pookie in particular were trying to play in between the lines and dropping back almost like double false nines at times, if that even makes sense or is a thing. But that's that's very much what it was like. I don't think they were wildly successful. But at one point, you know, we did drop both those two mids deeper. And then when that happened, I think that's when they really had more success attacking down the left side uh, with Williams, who I thought, again, was very good. Um, but we did have some chances. I think of the 49th minute, I did like that little move from Townsend. And uh, even with it was on his right foot, it was uh, it was a decent chance, I thought. Yeah, it was a good little turn from Townsend. I just want to say, Ryan, I want to do a check on you. Make sure you're not biased towards Joe Williams because of his last name. Um, just make sure that you're keeping your objective I'm not, hat on for, for I'm not, those purposes. Okay. I'm not. I'm not. I'm okay. Not. I'm glad. But I am biased to anyone that does a Crife turn, and Townsend did one at like the 18. So I'm all for that, my friend. Yeah, and it was really nice. Left the man for dead. He seems to be brimming with confidence at the moment from range, and he put it just wide and and I like the ambition. I like the uh, audacity to take those sorts of shots and obviously having just scored one recently long may it continue. That was a really good turn. And then a couple minutes later, uh, Norman tries to go tip for tat with a nice little bit of footwork to beat Alon who's going in full tilt to try to make the sliding tackle. He sort of tippy toe, tippy toes around him and shoots again from like 22 yards. And this, is another one that Pickford is forced to save. It's not placed particularly well, but it's hit hard and on target. Pickford does well to put it up and over the bar. Just flick dribble without question. I mean, showed pretty solid footwork. And then a couple minutes later, Aaron's finally gets around Dean. I mean, otherwise, Dean and Awobi really stuffed him most of the match. Not that Aaron's was awful or anything. He just wasn't as dangerous. They couldn't get him up into dangerous spaces. That's why they just kind of rotated out left. And this has happened a lot this year. Teams do not want to go at Dean's side, and I don't blame them. He's a very good defensive player, and he's playing a little bit deeper this year but he finally gets around him and dean absolutely scissors him and <laughs> just takes him out i mean gets the yellow and uh yeah that's right they wasted the free kick it, you know it looked like it was dangerous went right through i believe the 18 and amounted to nothing but you could tell they were growing in confidence they looked more fluid they were attacking from different sides um but i think slowly but surely we saw Everton's starting to kind of creep back in and show some danger off the counter. I know Gray had one in about the 70th where he had a great first touch, turned and looked. There was another run where Awobi kind of played to Corey in. There just wasn't anyone there to receive a cross. Um, and then I thought the most tactically genius moment in the match, which was Jordan Pickford faking the shoulder injury yeah, just to slow down the momentum of the match. Um, okay, that probably is not what happened, but... Was it a coincidence the free kick afterwards was absolutely blasted and nowhere near the net? 
I mean, what do you think, James? I think that's some top tier gamesmanship from our <laughs> ours and true. England's number one keeper. It would be genius if it was, you know. Now it was scary at the time because we know that he does have a just coming back from that shoulder injury. And yeah, don't want him to aggravate it and be out for any prolonged period of time. Maybe trying to come back too early, but he seemed okay to carry on despite getting Begovic up and running on the sideline. But God, that free kick was just atrocious. Like yeah, I, 20 I, yards too long and probably too high as well. Yeah, it's it's kind of like, you know, you've had a bad shot on target when the other team has a throw in. I mean, this was like threatening people in the state. It's just awful. The second he hit it, you know, you just the hollers was, you know, it's bad. When it's like <laughs> yeah. Immediate reaction. Um Benitez, I thought, made a pretty good sub, even though his bench was limited in the 76. It looks like Townsend would kind of, was kind of gassed. I, he was brimming with confidence at times. He didn't. I, he wasn't particularly dangerous, I don't think, today. His crosses weren't outstanding. I mean, our crosses in general, the side, were just awful most of the match. It was not dangerous. So I thought this was a good sub. I mean, we're up. I figured if we're going to counter... Gordon gives us some pace on the other side as well. So you would yep. think with the Wobie, Gray, Gordon, I know he's not the greatest player, but he does have pace and he can move and he played a decent match against QPR. Maybe he's gaining some confidence. I thought this might result into something positive. I don't know if it really had much to do with the counter press that resulted about a minute later, but we finally broke through with the counter and pretty much iced the match. Yeah, it was a nice little pressure. I think we, we gave the ball back and then immediately counter press Gray and Alon closing down in the center of the pitch to win the ball back. Alon breaks forward. He gets it kind of tipped away from him by the Norwich defender, but Gray is able to recover and continues driving forward. At this point, Norwich are on their heels, and it's basically a 4v3 in favor of Everton. Decore booking it, as he so often does this season, just gunning it forward. He gets in a nice wide area, wider than any other defender. Gray's able to just sort of slide it to him with ease. And Decore has pretty much just him and Tim Cruel. It's a one-on-one, maybe a slightly tough angle, but he does excellently to bury it in the back of the net. The stadium goes nuts. We're up 2-0 and kind of just called game at that point. Gray showed some pretty good composure playing him in the way he did. It's easy to kind of overbake that one or play it too hard into his feet. And Decore slotted home across his body. And that's a tough one for a goalie to save because you're looking at him. You don't know where he's going. You can't give up the near post. And he's at that almost perfect angle where if he shoots it back across his body, you know it's in. And it was. Decore's really started out well in terms of his support in the attack this year. It's nice to see. Um, Norris tried. They kept kind of pushing that ball down the left side. Um, there were a few moments again where Williams was dangerous. He got around Godfrey once and that was a little disappointing. I feel like Ben is still a step slower than I think totally. we're used to seeing him. And maybe that's the after effects for COVID. It could be that, um, they had a few more dangerous moments too. And then how on earth did we not score? I think it was what off the corner in the 84th where Godfrey just was standing in front of, <laughs> I, and he made such a nice play to get there too. Is it possible to be too close to the goal to score, Ryan? Because if it is, then I think that was the case. And Michael Keane does well. He wins the header off the corner. And he doesn't even, he puts it kind of on goal, but he almost like flicks it and puts it almost at the goal line. And Ben Godfrey is just kind of waiting, uh, not quite back post, but on the six-yard line. He just sort of makes the step really well-timed and it falls right to his feet. 
Tim Krul makes himself really big, and I think it comes off his leg. Uh, and then they have, I think Krul put him in like a headlock. They had a little bit of banter, of course, mm-hmm. former teammates, which was uh, pretty funny to see. How did he not score there? I don't know. But like I said, Krul, Krul does make his body really big, and Ben is point blank, like a yard from him, and somehow has to manage to get it around him. Those initial flicks off headers are so difficult to stop yeah. on corners. You know, I mean, you really almost have to draw them off sides because it's it's going to create a dangerous spot. Uh, Cruel probably deserves a little credit. He did pretty well on this one, but we kind of saw it out from there. I mean, yeah. I thought we played pretty well on kind of that, you know, after we scored. I mean, we had a lot of the ball. I think we beat him in possession after that, which is a pretty good sign that we had taken control of the match. Um I would be remiss to not mention the NFL style horse collar tackle that Anthony Gordon put out there to get a yellow. That was pretty solid. I mean, that was 15 yards in the NFL for sure. Yeah. Any, you know, a deserved yellow. It maybe may, may have been a little unnecessary given the placement of the foul, but you'll love to see sort of the tactical tactical gears turning in, in Anthony Gordon's head and why even risk it at that point? You're so close. Why even risk them giving a break and potentially scoring? And like you said, I thought we saw out the game after that last ditch opportunity in the 84th quite nicely to get us to full time. Now, you mentioned the possession stats after the second goal, but for the second half alone, we talked about we were sitting a lot deeper. We ended up 60-40 out of possession. Uh, Norwich had the majority of the ball out dribbled 7-2. to two. We did out tackle them eight to six and had more key passes in six to five. So again, still relatively even Norwich barely threatened, but I think it's a good opportunity to talk about some of the good individual performances in the midst of a relatively average team performance. I I think those numbers are indicative of the fact that they did have a relatively successful spurt. Again, they had, you know, 65% possession from halftime to about, you know, the 71st second, I think. And that's when we thought we kind of started coming to live, even if we didn't see the immediate, um, the immediate results from that. And yes, I think there were a lot of good player performances. There weren't many bad ones, uh, meaning as we're not going to run a poll, that's, Worst player of the day for Everton. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm just very irked by this. I don't understand what compels people to kind of get out there and say, hey, who's our worst player? And, and really, I just I find that very. I, even the most critical analyst can pick out things for each player that maybe are deficiencies, but just to kind of articulate as a fan that this person's the worst player you've ever seen is just been irking me recently. And I don't understand why we even mention it. Uh, I think the good performance is the first one that really stood out to me was Jerry Mina. He just seemed to be in complete control in the back. Um, He took care of the ball exceptionally well. I think he was 38 for 40 in passing with lead team in terms of passing percentage, two tackles, three blocks, seven clearances. And there were so many times the ball was played back into a situation that might have been dangerous and he just ate it up. I mean, he was fully in charge, fully confident, and it was fantastic to see. I mean, he was really a commanding force in the back. Yeah, it was a great performance from Yuri Mina, and it feels like at long last, if you didn't realize that Yuri Mina was our best center back, this might have been the game. I saw a lot of people seemingly just coming to that realization, but uh, nonetheless, that's the American was, Toffee Podcast. No, we've been beating this drum for, like for, for years. Yeah, for years now. 
And he was great, and he's been consistently great so far this season, and long may it continue. Just quickly on the, the negativity, it's, it's just very – I agree, it's bizarre, particularly bizarre when we're winning matches most of the time to then be exactly. like, who's our worst player? Well, let's focus on the positives here. And another positive was Jordan Pickford, again, returning from injury. Excellent distribution today. He was like 11 for 23 good. on long balls. Didn't have a whole lot to do. We mentioned it a bunch, just two saves, and both were from 20-plus yards out. But when called upon, especially to contribute to moving the ball forward, he did really well today. He inspired confidence without question. Uh, I, I think the other name that's going to jump out is DeCore. Um, yep. I, I don't know if he quite had the game that some others thought because I thought he had some bad touches, especially early. But some of the things you just can't deny, I mean, his effort itself, I mean, 15 recoveries again, only Dean, Dean was the only one that had double digits with 10, um, 25 pressures. He was all over the place. He had the goal um, tackles. I mean, I, I think he had four tackles. I mean, he just was pretty much everywhere. You know, I, I don't know what else to really say. And it's been so nice to see. DeCorey kind of jumping up and, and granted he's playing a little bit differently in his first couple matches where he didn't quite have some of the defensive contributions other than just scooping off loose balls. You saw some more discipline today and the goal was absolutely critical and sent us on his on our way. Uh, he's just a really darn good player. I mean, let's be yeah. honest. Yeah, just a, a crucial addition and really kind of coming into his own uh, on both sides of the ball this season. He seems to be adapting to Rafa Benitez's style of play and just the tireless work work ethic and effort that he applies. The fact that he can consistently go 90 minutes running as much as he does, just mind-boggling. Um, but a couple other guys who I thought were really good, and we mentioned it, really heavily reliant on attacking down the left-hand side, and that's Luca Dean and Alex Awobi. Defensively very sound. Uh, Awobi played a little bit deeper. He actually ended up with only a couple touches in the final third, but where it really comes in and what Awobi does well is carrying the ball. And he had seven progressive carries uh, yesterday. Highest progressive distance of anyone that's a midfielder or forward, so excluding the back line. And the second highest pass percentage on the team. Um, yeah. In addition to that, he received it extremely well, 91% receiving rate. And nine uh, of those were progressive passes he received too. I mean, that's not, you know what I mean? That that's not easy to do when you're receiving longer passes that are more direct, that are covering distance to still have a 91% receiving rate really shows you how good he was in possession. And I think some people were expecting him to maybe create more. I saw some crazy reviews saying he was bad. I, I couldn't understand that at all. I mean, he had a few bad touches. I think he had four, which is not the best number, but he had eight passes. He made under pressure second highest on the team. And he still was 37 for 42 in passing. He had 190 yards in progressive distance. Again, that was highest of any forward or mids. I thought he did a very good job coming back from the ball, springing the break, but taking care of it, not needlessly just handing it to the other team. And he had some lovely flick-ons and just creative moves where he kind of got it around and over people several times. And, I mean, really any attack we had, uh, at least in the first half and in and, and areas in the second half were almost all run through him or gray for sure. And he contributed on defense. I, I hope people at least at this point realize that beyond the fact that, you know, he's very progressive again, six progressive passes, five passes of the final third, two passes into the penalty box. He led the team in that two shot created actions. I mean, he's a good defensive player. 
He had two interceptions. He was one for two in tackles. And him and Dean really did shut down their right side. I mean, Norwich almost just stopped doing it. You know, they almost just gave yeah. up and just kicked it around the left the whole time. And I thought Luca Dean played a very good match, too. Yeah, Luca Dean, again, I don't know what people were thinking a couple matches ago saying that he's been poor. But, Ryan, you're going to have to walk me through some of these stats about Dean going forward. Uh, the progressive passing distance is, yeah. is really impressive. But in addition to that, just on the defensive side, four clearances, an interception, a tackle, two for three in aerials. Like you said, not a great sample size because you just – you can't underestimate how important it is. Teams just avoid him. They just want to take their ball and go home and just avoid the left side entirely. And since we're not, we don't have sustained possession in the final third as much as we have. Dean is not starting out higher. We're not pushing him up quite as much. He's sitting back, but he's still moving the ball forward. So in addition to just having six progressive passes tied for the team lead, I mean, he had over 500 yards in progressive passing distance. And that's what he's doing more of this year. He's sitting back and he's moving the ball via the pass. So think about this. He's 22nd in the Premier League in progressive passing distance. That doesn't seem all that impressive until you realize that includes nine goalkeepers um, and a bunch of center halves. Uh, there are almost no one outside of those two. So he had 508 progressive passing yards. I mean, the highest he had this year was slightly over 400 for Burnley. And he's only been over 500 three times prior with Everton. And the last time is in November of 2019. So look, I think people just need to recognize that he's playing a little bit differently, but he is absolutely still effective in many ways. If he had one bad match, that's a pretty rare thing. He was outstanding other than Aaron's getting around him once and, and Dean scissor kicking him and making him pay for it. Uh, <laughs> I thought he was absolutely dominant and amongst our best players for sure. And him and Alex did a really good job locking down that left side. Uh, and of course, we'd be remiss to not bring up once again, Damari Gray, who I thought was debatably our most dangerous player. Yeah, he has just come on leaps and bounds and, and so far improved from the, the player that was at Leverkusen last year. Eight progressive carries led the team in that department. Only a couple bad touches, never dispossessed, had the pass, obviously the assist to for the second goal to Decore. Ryan, you thought maybe he dwelled on it too often, but I also thought he had some really slick uh, moves where he kind of lulled the defender to sleep. And then that quick little flick to his left or his right to create space. He rinsed a couple guys and was able to make some pretty creative passes off of those. When I say dwelled on it too often, it's just a bad habit he has. I mean, yeah. how often do you see him play one touch? Almost never. Yeah. You know, it kind of takes that extra touch and sometimes it slows us down. To be balanced, he, he did maybe a little of that today, but it also looked like Norwich had kind of turned the tables on us, especially in the first half, and they were looking to play the counter. So maybe it was wiser to be a little bit more patient, and we were today, especially after the penalty. I mean, there's no reason to necessarily give them one that would allow them to kind of spring back at us. Uh, one thing you mentioned collectively, too, as a team, and we've seen it in the past, Everton tend to kind of fall apart QPR is an example when a lot of this is Mason Holgate, but when we're just playing hoofball in the back line, and sometimes that happens, you have to clear the ball. That's fine. But when we're taking care of the ball in the back and still passing it more vertically this year, that's just how we are. We're not playing with the ball in the back. We're not building out of the back. We're almost bypassing midfield at times, but the success rate of our defenders to do that, especially not just hoofing the ball up and giving it away under pressure, I think there's a dramatic difference in performance when we do and do not do that. I think 
this match, we took care of the ball and we're very efficient with it from the back going forward. Yeah, you look at the back line, the back four, as well as Pickford combined playing long balls, 35 for 58. That's 60 percent. Now, if you're playing hoofball, you you typically expect to see percentages below 50 percent. If not lower, you know, below 40 in a lot of cases. And we've been there in some games this season. So to complete well over half of our long balls shows, and you know, we Rondon, we'll talk about him in a second, without a lot of guys with a ton of size to, to take balls out of the air, but we're also getting the ball forward, not necessarily in the air, just longer, um, more direct passes that seem to be like through balls and, and seem to be having more effect. So I wanted to call that out because I think that was a uh really mind-blowing stat to me to be that successful because it's such typically a low percentage effort. One of the keys to our success so far this year at times, and you can see it, it drives us crazy on the podcast. I swear we need like a bell or a ding or something to indicate every time Holgate would do it. And it drives me crazy. I mean, if you're not under pressure, you've really got to be fairly arrogant or overconfident to feel like you're going to be the one that's going to ping it all the way across the field. And we just didn't see that as much. And it's not to say that we don't have the ability to do that. Now, Mean is a little more conservative. He's very good with the, with the ball, but Keen has a decent passing range and showed it a couple of times, but it was never forced. And I think that's the key. You know, you're not panicking. You're not firing it out of there and just handing it to the other team. You mentioned Rondon. Let's talk about him briefly. He only had six fouls. I swear to God, it's felt like 60 uh, and six fouls is a lot. <laughs> um, it was just bizarre. He just kept kicking people. I don't think he even got a card, did he? No, I don't think so. Somehow. That is that is just shocking. He's still gaining fitness here. You yeah. know, I, I, I thought he was OK at times. Again, I think he's still coming back to the ball a couple of times. He kind of won the ball back to us and, and helped us kind of transition a little bit. Um, three for 11 and aerials is not great. Again, he's normally in the tacking end, um, but man, he works hard. I mean, he led the team in pressures and he actually led the team at four shot created actions. So there were times where he had it in advanced positions and laid it off for someone else. And you're going to see that more of him. I mean, he's not going to be the guy at least anymore to be flying into the box and burying headers. He's not Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He's a little different that way. He's more of a traditional kind of number nine that holds the ball up and comes back for it. And, and I think Rafa likes him like that and plays with him in that way. And that's why Gray's verticality is so important for it yep. to be effective to, to work off the counter. But look, he wasn't perfect. He had some bad touches, but it wasn't for lack of work ethic. And, and in many ways, I think he would probably did a better job than many people thought. I think maybe some individual didn't quite recognize exactly the role he was playing and saw a couple of times where he just couldn't quite get back up the pitch and put himself into the right position. But if you're playing with a different center forward every week, it takes time to adjust. And maybe we're seeing a little bit of that too. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think it's still far too early to pile on the guy without yeah. question. Uh, people, you know, that's what we were alluding to. People saying he's the worst player they've ever seen. Can Everton. we stop that? Can we like, stop this? He's the worst I've ever. I mean, unbel- some of these guys, they'll have like one bad performance. He's the worst player I've ever seen wearing Everton. Ch- I mean, well, unless you're 10 years old and you've only watched a couple years, what are you talking about? I mean, that's just, it's just immature. It's driving me crazy, man. I don't and know. Look, he's I the guy so. we brought in to replace or back up Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And he's, in some ways, a poor man's dominant Calvert-Lewin, but as you said, he doesn't do necessarily all the exact same things, even uh, his game's a little bit different and we have to play accordingly. So I think people kind of expect him to play 
in the exact same way, but lacking that level of pace and frankly, yeah. the vertical leap, it's just going to inevitably lead to some differences in play. It's not always yeah. a bad thing. I won't say he was good. He really wasn't. I thought he was kind of ineffective, but the force shot created actions was something like that totally flew under my radar watching it live. And, uh, you know, that's why we have the statistics to help us with uh, objective analysis. It certainly makes you think a little bit more and you kind of want to go back and watch and say, maybe he did create a little bit more, but again, sometimes players don't play well. Sometimes, you know, they're getting back to fitness. Sometimes they're getting just back up to speed, but at least he's working hard while doing it. I mean, leading the team at pressures as a center forward is, is saying a lot, you know what I mean? Um, So good for him, at least in that regard. So uh, just in general, we had some good listener comments as we usually do. Let's start with Andy Watt at Waddy Watt dog. Did he change it? I think that's the same as it was. He's been changing it a lot lately. Andy, he had Andreas there for a while. I know that Um, Norwich are awful. That's really it. We didn't have to be good, but it was a solid performance. Rondon will become a fan favorite with his effort. I think that's fair. We didn't have to be good. We were fine. We won. That was the name of the game. And it wasn't a complete disaster. Could we be better? Yeah. But hey, you know, you got to take care of business sometimes. And I think we did that. Yeah. And then we had Casey Griffin, C underscore Griff, 314, regular contributor. Had professional performance helped by Norwich being perhaps the worst side in the Premier League in the last decade. That is (laughs) quite the shout. Uh, he also went on to say, in love with Townsend and Gray, Decorate, man of the match, and early front runner for player of the season. Ryan, what do you think about that? Are Norwich perhaps the worst side in the Premier League in the last decade? We just, in the last year, Sheffield United were diabolical. There have been some pretty poor sides. They might be. <laughs> they might. It's You look at some of these good young players and you know they're eventually going to maybe not come through, but you know, they have an opportunity to be really, really good players, not just okay young players, but if their time's not now, if they don't have the depth, obviously things aren't going well with them. It'll be very interesting to see how Norwich play it out. Did they stick with the same managers that, that has them here? If you're going to play in the way they have in the past, well, let, let's take a step back. Even Rafael Benitez, when he won the championship, was playing more expansively and play in a particular way that that was required that a an elite team would play. Well, suddenly you're going from winning the championship to being on the low end of the totem pole. Right. You've got to invest legitimately in talent uh, in order to compete. And while they brought in some new faces, I just don't think it's enough. And part of it is COVID. They didn't have the revenues and many other clubs didn't. There were no gates last year. I mean, no one really bought outside of a handful of Premier League teams almost across the board uh, in big five leagues. And normally you see a team that goes up, spends a lot of money after they go up. Norwich couldn't quite do that. So they might be, but, but maybe Norwich isn't really, maybe they're playing the long game a little bit and at least they've seem to show some consistency in terms of their recruitment philosophy. And some of these guys are good young players, but you kind of wonder if they kind of get the urge to suddenly maybe make a move, bring in a new manager. I would hate for them to suddenly try and play a less expansive style because that's really what they're recruiting to. And that's what they're pushing. Um, But maybe some pragmatism is necessary although if we don't get the penalty in the first half we probably go into halftime even and maybe even asking some questions of ourselves what do you think 
Yeah, I think again, it's it's so interesting how the the timing of the goals changes the entire narrative. Because if it had gone, and, if, and frankly, if we had reached 50, 60 minutes and we're still nil nil, I mean, everyone would have been sweating bullets because what options do you really have on the bench to come in and change the game? So we were fortuitous to get that penalty awarded. I think yeah. you're right about your points on Norwich. Look, they're not outstanding, but it is hard to kind of bridge that dramatic dynamic shift of being one of the more dominant, comprehensively dominant championship winning teams to then having to play a more kind of aggressive conservative style. And I think teams often struggle with that without the revenues to support it, all those things. Um, I I hope that they can at least start scoring some goals because they sure seem to love shipping them, but let's uh, move. You know, one one thing I just run one last quick comment. When you look at the premier league in general, even the teams on the bottom have been good or at least have invested the last couple of years. Yeah. So I can't help but think the premier league is just kind of getting better and better. Yeah. So I, it makes that gap. It's just such a leap. And, and some of the teams that have done well were really well funded. I mean, that wolves team was one of the best championship teams maybe ever, but they were on a wage bill that was like middle of the road in the premier league. I mean, they're right. the most expensive side ever put together in the championships and, and Leeds had significant investment as well, as well as a distinct style of play. So, I mean, there's a lot that goes into this. So, yeah. And you've seen sides like Fulham come up and drop a hundred million yeah. on yep. just piecemeal players that make no sense and go straight back down. So something to be said for, I think Norwich's approach, Yes, but uh, happy to take three points off them and won't be feeling too bad about it. Amen. Let's uh, let's wrap up here. We had a couple more reactions. We had a recurring commentator, Ace, a.k.a. LaShawn Baines at LeBon Everton, said, I'm going to go with Decore as man of the match. He was all over the midfield today, making plays on both defense and attack. I would say he put in a pretty complete performance with the goal being the cherry on top. Shouts to Mina as well. Immense in the defense, extraordinaire in the air. We have Paul McAllister at P underscore McAllister, one, two, three. Simple day at the office, and that's the kind of game we needed. Get the three points, then clock out. No more injuries or talking points. Rondon was very poor, but other than that, it was a quietly good day. On we go. Um, when you read something like that, I always think of the analogy, uh, since we're talking NFL for some reason, it's like the cornerback that you don't hear their name called all match. Yeah. You know, uh, that's a good thing. And so in your defense, you don't really think of any major errors or anything they did badly. It's a good sign that we had, we were in control. You know what I mean? We were in control. Totally fair. And last but not least, we had Dr. Defense at Dr. Defense. Everton are a mediocre team that are somehow getting better than average results. While it's not exciting to watch a mediocre team, credit to them for managing these results. Also, I love Decore. I think that's fair. I mean, especially with the injuries, we're certainly not an elite squad. We've made a lot of points about the lack of spending in comparison to our competitors. But, you know, pragmatism sometimes has its place and it seems to be working out well for Everton. Technically joint second in the Premier League at time of recording, which is, I think, remarkable given the lack of funds and the injuries that we've sustained. So, uh, Ryan, let's wrap here and go your man of the match for Norwich city. Very hard not to pick Decore, especially yeah. since you know how fond I am of Decore. 
Um, but I'm going to pick Yuri Mina. And the reason I'm going to do that is not necessarily because there were some outstanding statistical. I mean, yes, his metrics were good. You know, I can't really necessarily point to so many examples of him being so outstanding other than I just felt like we were in control and he was the commanding force in the back. I felt like no matter really what they did, he could scoop it up and handle it. And I think it just inspired confidence. And I was never particularly nervous when they were attacking and he was just so calm and so reliable in the back. I just think he, he was the backbone for everything we did today. And um, as much as I feel like you're probably going to give it to the other guy, I, I, I just felt like Mina was truly outstanding and maybe it was more of almost like a symbolic gesture and all these people chiming in that they're now convinced he's our best defender, which <laughs> makes me laugh a little bit, but it's okay. You know, people see the game differently at times and, and that's perfectly fine. Um, although this one has had me mystified for a while, but people see things differently and I'm glad that he's starting to get the respect that I think he deserves. Absolutely. And I am unfortunately, perhaps predictably, going to go with what seemed to be the consensus choice and choose Abdullah Decore for men of the match. Not the first time and hopefully not the last time this season. Nope. Just the level of energy and the fact that he's finally getting forward and able to contribute on the offensive end is so, so encouraging because for a long time, Everton's midfield has been the place where you don't really want to go to find goals. And it seems like that tide is starting to turn ability to get up and down the pitch second to none covers ground he's everywhere and we love him and we're going to continue to sing his praises hopefully long may it continue ryan final words on this match before we look ahead to manchester united next weekend who's everywhere more decore or roy kent oh the ted lasso shout uh, I, 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 I will give a shout out today to um one Max Williams, who pulled out a Hattie today <laughs> in his uh, in the in the closing match of his travel tournament. So I want to give a shout out to Max for that. He was pumped up. I, I think the final words are we took care of business and we move on. I, I think it it would be very easy to look at that and not see some concerns. But I think the concerns start with the personnel and rather than belabor the point and go into a greater philosophical conversation about the people we let go and look we well i'll say one thing i i still it's still tough for me to look at it and say that we had two pretty talented offensive players one for sure and we kind of let him go and i think he could help I, I think you know who we're talking about and when i hear things like the manager coming on declaring that guys like rondon and godfrey are not quite fit and we should cut him a break you know, it, it irks me a little. I, I, I have to admit, and I think it would help to have a player or two more to be able to unlock opposing defenses. But every game that goes by that we have results gets us closer to January. And who's, who's to say we can't maybe make an acquisition or two that could help us in that regard. And it's hard to complain about the results. We're right in the mix where we want to be. Uh, but I think we're going to have to step it up to deal with better competition for sure. Absolutely. I think this is a case. It's pretty simple. It's not so much what happened in the match. It's what didn't happen. What didn't happen was we didn't capitulate to a side that are significantly worse than us. We were able to see the game out in the end quite comfortably. Um, and before we go into the final spiel, I just wanted to point out that Ryan did, in fact, show uh, some bias towards a Williams this episode. It was not Joe Williams, but it was Max Williams. So <laughs> he is uh, my favorite player. 
That's fair enough. That is totally fair. And with that, it will conclude this episode of the American Toffee Podcast. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please do leave us a rating on your podcast platform of choice, preferably five stars, but you can be objective and honest as you see fit. Um, Also, be sure to check out our stuff on Toffee TV. If you want to follow us on socials, all that stuff is linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. That's linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. We'll be with you following Manchester United on Saturday. Until then, up the toffees. (laughs) 